Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hey, Jen. Hey, Michelle. It's wonderful to be here, as always. And how are you doing today on this fine day? I am doing well. I'm I'm grateful to be diving deeper into creativity with you, and I look forward to our topic today. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought it would be lovely to have a conversation around how do we share what we've learned with others? And in particular, I think we could touch on some of the things that you and I both have going on in our lives and in our creative practices, which is our ability to put together online courses and perhaps other ways that we share what we've learned with people who are interested in the same things as us. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like that is a real opportunity for people right now. Certainly COVID has sent a lot of people into the home studio and into their homes without allowing them to get out and about. So online courses as a bit of a focus for today. What do you think? I think it's a great topic and maybe we will encourage some people who are on the fence to start offering some online offerings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Offer offerings online. So why don't you start? This is a flow on for me from our conversation about people who decide that they want to be authors and take on that writing task, because I think that is one way that we share what we've learned. And I feel that this topic around putting together a course and offering it is also another way that we share what we've learned. And I think the first thing to think about is if you're an artist and you're listening Has this been something that's been floating around and in your thoughts and you just haven't been sure? As Jennifer said, maybe you're sitting on the fence or maybe this is not for you. And I understand that there's plenty of artists that don't teach. And so this may not be for you if that's the case and you don't have any inkling that that would be of interest. I understand also that when we come to share in this way, it can be quite confronting and scary, right? like standing up and saying, I know stuff and I want to teach you about X and Y. That could be awfully (laughs) confronting. Oh, absolutely. You have to face all your own doubts. Uh, And especially, you know, speaking is intimidating for a lot of people. Standing up and saying, I know this. And I love what your comment was when we were offline was, you know, how many years experience do you really need in order to show somebody what you know? And I like to answer that right right up top because to me, When I started offering online courses, it was, first of all, I had run out of teachers of my own Mm. (laughs) on this plane. You know, I was like, all right, who's going to teach me now? I really want to progress more. And so I was doing a self-study on the seven sacred flames and loving it, loving it. And then I heard so specifically, really, like I get divine directives once in a while that are so basically one little sentence and they're they're you know they make my knees shake and my stomach turn turn over for a minute and then it's like oh okay and I heard it's time for you to start teaching this stuff and I was like Mm -hmm. what really (laughs) whenever I get one of those divine directives I know it is absolutely the sweet spot that I need to go to even though I'm intimidated and I have self-doubts And I have to work through all that, which is part of the process for me and probably for all of us. I don't know if it's been for you of working out the self-doubt kinks of, we have to go through that. Will will everybody like me? You know, will, 
Will they, will they think I'm an expert? Will they, will they want to hear what I have to say? And one of my gremlins is nobody wants to hear what I have to say. So I always have to work through that. <laughs> like, well, are you going to do it anyway? And I always say yes, because I know those gremlins aren't ruling my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your friend. I just want to say, if you, folks, if you're listening and you haven't listened to previous podcasts, just know Jennifer's got a whole spiritual teaching academy called the Angels of Abundance Ascension Academy. And she's speaking from that body of work in her spiritual work, which does cross over, as we'll hear, into her singer-songwriter role. So I just thought if people are wondering where the Seven Sacred Flames course came from and how that fits with your singing, I think obviously you obviously wrote songs from it. But (laughs) my first thought about teaching, I think there was a bit of a legacy which said, Really only those who have studied for 20 years and can consider themselves to be experts or really deep masters of something, and only then do you have a right to teach. And I find that's actually been one of the things that I've had to overcome, partly along the lines of your gremlin, which is, you know, who's going to listen to you, but who do you think you are? Hmm. That is a real big one for me. and. I also have a a kind of a a shadow side around teaching because all the women in my family are teachers. My mother, my aunt, my older sister, you know, like they're all teachers. And I just was a kid. I just used to say, no way, I'm never going into teaching. It's just not, (laughs) it's not for me. And it turns out I really love it, partly because, and here's the thing for me, is because I actually love learning. And what I find teaching enables me to do is learn more, learn deeper, Mm -hmm. learn a different way to understand something. I think what it draws out of me is I think a really important need to put myself into the position of someone who doesn't perhaps have the experience or is new to the topic but very interested. How do I take the things that I've found to be important in my journey, in what I've learned, and put that in a way that it's really accessible for someone who is interested. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful answer to that question. You know, who do you think you are, Michelle? (laughs) Because to me, that's exactly right. We are taking everything that has been part of our life experience and synthesizing it into a gift. And everyone learns differently and everyone has different teachers. So I think finding your right teacher is really important. Finding somebody that resonates with you, that you feel comfortable with, because we are so into the choice right now of choosing. You know, we have a lot of different people we could work with. And there actually are some people that would love to have a workshop from you, Michelle, and and you that are listening, that probably wouldn't resonate with anyone else. So I think that it's, it's not anymore about, yes, I've written this many books and I've been a professor for this long. It's really about you receiving a call on your heart to do it. And I think one of the door openers for me was having someone say, you actually don't need to be the 20 plus years experience, the the professor with the cap and the gown. You actually just need to have walked the same path as someone and just be three steps ahead or just down the road a little. And that's the way I feel like I sort of lean into teachers that appeal to me is because I've got some resonance with them 
but they're further down the track. And so there's mm-hmm. things that I know I will garner and I receive their knowledge and wisdom and I turn around and apply it to my practice and test it, poke it, you know, and then assimilate it and then share it with people who are on the same road, but perhaps just a few steps behind. And I feel that that changed my way of thinking, that permission giving. Now that has become a more prominent, accepted approach, which is you don't have to be the expert. But for a long time, I think having gone through, you know, university education in my early 20s, there was definitely that snobbery and hierarchy, you know, to who. And yet here we are sitting in our own home studios, we can set stuff up, we've got access to so much apart from knowledge and experience to, in terms of what we have learned. I think it's a fantastic time to be alive, to be able to, you know, walk down to my spare bedroom, which is now my art room with all my filming lights and my little, my iPhone, which blows me away what I can do on that <laughs> iPhone. I just, uh, you know, it's fantastic. And I think, You know, when we talk about online courses, there's a whole lot of things that I've had to think about. I'm sure you've had to. And if you're listening and you might have to go through in your own way and come to some decision about some of these ways of delivering, the first thing is, what is it that you want to tell people about? What is it that you want to share? So how has that come about for you? So Jen, have you moved into a place where you've gone, I actually want to teach about this one thing? Tell me about the seven sacred flames story. The seven sacred flames, as I said before, was such a profound book for me. And when I got that divine directive to teach, I decided to give a little webinar. I didn't know much about giving a webinar, but I knew about instant teleseminar, which is still a, a, a platform that anybody anywhere in the world can call in and use a phone number. And it's just basically a conference telephone call, no visuals right? And so I gave this workshop and I I said, I really want you to join me for this class. And nobody joined the class, you know, at that time. Yes, it was was a little heartbreaking, but (laughs) I was like, okay. Well, two weeks later, somebody from that, that webinar called me and said, are you still offering that seven sacred flames course? And I said, well, actually, if I would love to give it to you, if you can find a friend to join, uh, we'll do it. And so that's the very first that's course the in the Angels of Abundance Ascension Academy was the Seven Sacred Flames with Marjorie and one of her neighbors. You know, it was that simple and it was fabulous. And then somebody asked me to do just a, a one-on-one class with them. And then it just started to grow, mushroom out from there. Yeah. If any of you listening know about the Seven Sacred Flames, every flame is like a whole university in itself. So that book just started to expand like, oh, we have to know more about the archangels. Oh, we need to know more about the elemental kingdom and the Elohim. You know, so it was just like, it became the foundation of everything else that started to be created there. And of course, what happened to me is it raised my practice, my spiritual practice. I had to walk my talk as never before. You know, it, I had to be on top of my game. <laughs> I couldn't just dial it in, right? And it's it's amazing. It's amazing how things grow. Yeah. yeah. So it became the door opener for all these other online courses through the academy, didn't it? So can I just ask you one technical question? How did you deliver that class? It was online. 
it was online. And so the way I delivered it was sending everybody emails and they would meet me on that conference line and they would all automatically get a replay because that's how it's set up. The conference line is the replay. And I don't think I even had a website yet. I didn't have a website. I did not have anywhere where people um, could go and look at the course. So I just, it was just us meeting them, reading on their own, and we come back to discuss it the next week and get go deeper in what was next. And it was eight weeks. So I think it's important to know that it was eight weeks. And the first week was introduction, and then we went through the seven sacred flames, one a week. It was that basic. And I am not one of these people that will outline everything. Michelle and I are very different this way, which makes it very interesting, but I will just lie by the seat of my pants. Okay, so here's the first week. By the next week, I'm gonna be ready for that week. And, and it's revealed to me, you know, I got the whole general picture that we're gonna do one a week, but I didn't know the form it would take. And it absolutely started taking this beautiful form. We'd always start with this, you know, a, a short prayer and meditation, We'd have some time of sharing, deepening in the teaching, and then we'd end with meditation. That just seems to be a natural flow that happened every time we got together. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That was just very simple. It's and then all beautifully those people, simple. Yeah. And all those people that came in, they wanted to do another one. So we did another eight weeks <laughs> on something else. And how long ago was that just time-wise in terms of putting the technology that you were using into a time frame for people? That was in 2013. So that's been nine years, nine years, nine years. And now it's very different. And isn't the landscape different? And how many different ways and platforms and technology that's out there for us to be able to do this work so much easier? Yes. My first course was the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. I had a local fellow and he videoed what was essentially a live in-person one-day workshop under my Curious Minds company hat. So it was a training course that I was delivering called Essentials of Visual Thinking. It was all for graphic facilitators because I was about to take a sabbatical. And that sabbatical was three months away from my business on a pilgrimage to Northwestern Australia. And if any Australians are listening, it was to the Kimberleys, which was just divine. So I had essentially over 11 weeks on the road. And the things that I needed to set up was get some of my products online so people could continue to buy them and access that knowledge. It was also because I did a fair bit of traveling around Australia when I first started teaching that particular course in person. And that didn't sit well with me. I mean, I love the travel, don't get me wrong, but I didn't want to burn up the air miles and the carbon footprint aspect really was an issue for me. And so flying to the other side of Australia is five hours. You know, it's a big haul. It's the same as East Coast to West Coast for you guys in the US. So I wanted to be able to offer in person on the occasion that I did go to those various capital cities. But if I left, and this this often happened, I'd have just flown to Perth or to Adelaide and delivered a course, and then I'd get back home. And two weeks later, when are you coming back to Perth? Well, (laughs) I wanted to be able to say, hey, I've got this alternative. You can jump online. It's all the same teaching. It was pre-recorded. There was a whole lot of the translation of the activities was really easy because I did a fair bit of demonstration. Anyhow, it was just 
one of those thoughts that had occurred to me having an in-person content and I know that this is a, probably a theme that a lot of people relate to. If anyone is out there listening that used to do in-person workshops, a lot of people pivoted with COVID and turned them into online offerings. You know, this might be a familiar story for people. I just happened to have done it seven years ago rather than through COVID. But what COVID did do for me was I actually did go off. I got inspired after I had um, a number of weeks rest when the world shut down, all my jobs evaporated and I sat still for weeks. And what, what emerged out of that for me was this just burning passion to put together an online painting course called Paint Your Heart. Mm-hmm. And that was 30 odd videos. That was just fantastic because it poured out of me. And because I'd done a previous course, it felt very easy to figure out what technologies to use. And that's a really simple approach, the way that I did that one. It's just on my website, not any fancy teaching platforms. And I just pre-recorded 30-odd videos. They're there in little bite-sized chunks. And all the downloadables are right there as well. And people just work through from the top to the bottom. And I feel that was kind of like the simplest version in this modern era. You can get a lot fancier now, but I did enjoy that process. And it really did get me to ask what of this is the easiest way to get people into this particular topic. Beautiful. Well, we have to talk about Zoom. You know, we have to talk about Zoom because we didn't really know Zoom before COVID, right? Well, we kind of did. I did. I'd been doing a fair bit of Zooming. Yes, but you know, how is it for bringing a workshop or teaching a course on art on Zoom? Well, we've done that, haven't we, together? We we have done that. It's worked. It's very accessible. Mm -hmm. So when we think about that technology, we literally use Zoom. And whoever's teaching just needs a setup so they can pivot their camera down to their desktop or if they're working on an easel, they can get the easel close enough that people watching can see. Yeah. And most people now have a webcam, have headset or some kind of microphone setup that they can participate and it it can be very accessible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've been doing Spirit Art School within the academy and Michelle has been involved in that. And it's been truly an experiment that has proved itself worthy. We can demonstrate and we can all paint at the same time in our own space, get our own space messy and, you know, create together, even though we're not in the same room, it's truly remarkable. So you don't need super fancy filming equipment at all to be able to do what we're talking about. So what other experiences have you had in different ways of using technology to deliver your online courses? What other permutations might work for people that you've found work? You know, the trickiest part, and I have to tell you, the only two platforms that I still use are Instant Teleseminar and Zoom. When I use Instant Teleseminar now, it's when we're going to be doing a deep meditation, toning together. Uh, it's time to go really deep and we don't need the visual, you know, because it's, it's really within sanctuaries that way for me. And Zoom, it's been interesting because music doesn't really translate well on Zoom. So I've been really experimenting with that for two years, figuring out how to help people sing, how to sing myself. You know, I bring my keyboard now and I'll play and I'll sing. I realized you have to do everything very quietly, do a a very simple arrangement of something. You can't do anything too complicated. 
And if everyone groups things on Zoom, it's just like total chaos. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> because it's of the timing and everything's out yeah. of sync. And yes, but yeah. it is also great kind of chaos. I really kind of like it because it's at least people are using their voice, which I was able to do that over the equinox. I offered a free your voice ritual and a ceremony of really reclaiming our voice. It was powerful. It was powerful and we didn't do any group singing, but if anybody wanted to unmute themselves and just let themselves be heard, they were given permission to do that. And we did screaming and whatever you needed to do. And most people kept theirs muted, <laughs> including myself when that time came. It's amazing that you can get around the technology, especially if you have a high intention, you can get around the technology. Yeah, You really can. And when you've done your courses, they then go to a replay, a page somewhere on your website, and people can just access a link that way. You just use your website, don't you, to deliver content? Yes. yes. Um, and I still am a, a real believer in, in using email to bring people back into the, the feeling of still being in the afterglow and allowing themselves to continue to grow. Do you find you need to use like password protected pages? Is that how you've done it within your website? Actually, I have a really simple website that has a membership plugin in it. So yeah. it's been very simple. And I, I want to say this because I think this is an important part to say, if you are going to be getting into online courses and online offerings, get help. <laughs> I have a wonderful VA that do, does all the back end work for me. So important because I have become through doing this for, what did we say? It's been nine years now. I have become a vigilant protector of my creative process because if I get too much into the online nitty gritty and the details of all that, it doesn't help my creativity. My creativity is my beautiful baby to protect. And so I'm always finding ways to give people things that aren't my genius because I was born with ability to do a lot of different things. But that doesn't mean I'm genius at all of them. In fact, I'm not genius at many of them. <laughs> but I do believe my genius is writing songs, singing songs, and absolutely listening, you know, deep listening and then sharing what I hear. So I have become a vigilant protector mm. and an asker of help. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I've gone the other way and I do so much of that back end stuff these days. I have had help in the past and I just haven't perhaps found the right person or been in the in the position to be able to get help in. But it's been interesting to watch how the technology has changed and made it so much simpler for someone who's not a genius. I actually find it almost like another layer of the creativity mm. and I'm excited by that. So it kind of, it, it juices me up and I, I think, oh, this is another thing to learn. Now, I have done that a number of times over the years and platforms have changed. So I think I've worked on Don't Learn. I've worked on, I'm trying to think what it was called, but it was what all the MOOCs, the massive online open courses that the universities ran. I used the same platform they were using, but it was way too teachy and university-esque which didn't suit me. As I said, with, with the essentials of visual thinking course, that was where I was using those different platforms because some of them had built-in blackboards, built-in quizzes that really suited the content that I was teaching in the graphic facilitation. 
But then I got super, super simple when I did Paint Your Heart. The great fun for me, and that's a course that introduces acrylic painting and then takes you through a painting process for each of the four elements. So you can kind of dive deeply into connection with Mother Nature, but do that in a painting process. The technology there was the filming. And one of the best bits of advice that I got before I you know, really took the dive on that was great audio. Even if what you're showing is a visual thing, like I'm demonstrating this painting, having good audio makes it so much more enjoyable and pleasurable and accessible for people. If people are straining mm. to understand what you're saying or straining to hear what you're saying, that can be a real turnoff. And you don't want any of those barriers happening to people who are potential learners in your course or who've signed up because you don't want them to be pushed back by anything that you're doing. And audio, it's the first platforms. Now, as a yes. singer-songwriter, this would be right up your alley. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. And I must say that I was just dabbling in painting and I took that course and it was a really a beautiful course. It still is a beautiful course to take. I highly recommend it. Thanks, um, Jen. And it's beautiful. And it got me into painting. I learned so much from that course. But I so agree with you. If, if, if it sounds crappy, people are going to be turning it off. Yeah. Um, you really need to pay attention to that. And I also think the visual part of it needs to be interesting. It does. You know, that I, I would say that's right number two, right up against number one. It has to be light filled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has to be clear. It has to be easy to see. And in focus. Yes. It's interesting how people have done things and then it's not been in focus. And it's like, well, you can't show that. All that work that you've just done, you have to ditch that. You've got to go back to having another go at it. And I find that sort of technology is the challenge where you're jumping in front of the camera, but you're also trying to operate behind. And mm -hmm. when I did my first course and I had that lovely person helping me, his job was to stand behind the camera and to make sure everything was in focus and check the audio and that everything was framed up right. Now, when you do it yourself, that becomes your task as well. And that can be challenging. I think one of the realities for converting what you know from a creative perspective if you're doing demonstrations, you can drop into the flow. And some of those important technology aspects might slide past you for minutes, if not extended periods, and you don't realize that you've moved your painting out of shot or you're, all of a sudden your battery on your phone has come up and said that it's out of battery, so it stopped filming. Or you know, all the things that I've experienced, I then took what I learned in the filming and here was some of my takeaways for the actual capture of the content. Great audio. So I had a lapel mic with an extended lead. So I could be, I could be a meter away from my phone and still have plenty of ability to drop that lead down through my clothing and have it run along the floor and come up. So, you know, having, having that kind of really obvious stuff. So that was really important, having a good tripod to make sure that your camera was steady. To have half-decent lighting, I bought redheads for photographing my jewellery many years ago, and so I used those, and they have a diffuser on them. And there's heaps of information out there. You can jump on YouTube and find how to set up lights at different angles that will give you the best lighting, the sort of 
the most light-filled space so that people can easily see what you're doing, if that matters. And so I still use those lights. In fact, I've got one on me right now. Not that we're doing this as a video, but good lights if you can buy a fairly reasonable priced kit that can be worth it. And if you can't, then you pick a spot in good natural sunlight that's not in direct light, but that gets really a lot of light. And then you have to choose the day, right? You are a little bit more exposed to the elements and the weather. You can't just chuck on the camera any old time if there's no good light out there. I also want to add, I don't do art for teaching, but I do a lot of speaking on video. I got myself a teleprompter that's on my iPad that I can get my script together and be able to read it so that it looks like I'm naturally talking. But I think it's important also to keep those videos, especially little bite-sized teaching videos, shorter. Not to do them lengthy, you know, don't try to do 10 or 15 minutes. It, I think everybody's attention span is getting shorter. So I try to keep them under five minutes. And that's something that I didn't do with Paint Your Heart, but I will do with the next one that's brewing in me, is I've actually found doing other people's courses, if it's three minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, great. But what I did was I shot a lot of video and then I edited it together into a module. I completely agree that's something I wouldn't do in the future. Yeah. Partly because not everyone who's trying to listen to your program is going to have great internet. And you do not want that to be a barrier for people to be able to access. What's your thoughts about how you put together the material so it's in bite-sized chunks? Like what's your process? Do you can you speak to that, Jen? You know, that's that's not a really good question for me to answer. (laughs) I will I will tell you. I'll delete that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's all right. I'll answer it. I'd I'd love to answer it actually. I think in small scenes, I do. And how they're all put together becomes the longer version of it. But I think it's a natural process for me to just bring one thing and then add it to another thing, add it to another thing. So I'm not, I'm really doing a series of smaller bite sizes that that's why I love doing the morning light meditations. It's one thought that's just expanded into a meditation. And that that's the way I work. You know, it has to kind of be that way for me. So um, that's my answer. And I think that that's, that's really brilliant because that is actually the way that I'm leaning towards as well. And I, when I come to a thought about, well, what can I share here? Sometimes I do actually just start with a mind map. You know, I grab a piece of paper and I, I throw the general topic in the middle and then I just have a whole bunch of ideas that might occur to me, get them down on the page. You know, that's good for the brain. And then the brain can see, oh, what does what feels right? Well, that feels like it might be a, an early in the course kind of idea. Well, you don't want to lead with this other idea because that's got too many other prerequisites. So you can't just dive in with that one. Okay, so that helps sort of organize and sort out what's the order of these bite-sized chunks. And obviously people have their own way of coming together to produce a whole product. But what you're saying is something that I feel that I'm leaning towards even more rather than this sort of final finished ta-da that I actually just do this thing and then this thing and then this little thing and then this little thing and then Mm -hmm. stitch it all together 
uh, is actually a really beautiful way for people to be able to also dive in and get this one nugget and have something. And if you've been focused like you do in your morning light meditations, you, you really do wrap the meditation around an important thought. And mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend that used to always talk about, you know, back in my corporate days, she used to always say, what are the three main messages that you want to share here? And that was a really a, a good background question to be asking. So what's the one main message that you want to share in this one nugget of your video course? Yeah. I also want to say, I think too, that as we are becoming more in tune with the divine feminine and balancing ourselves, we're not as linear as we used to be, you know, Mm -hmm. like a course used to be, you have to go from A, B, C, D, right? And now to me, it's becoming more like a circle. Wherever you jump in, you're going to be absolutely getting what you need. And I really like, that feels really good to me to even speak like that, because I feel that old linear way of doing things is becoming obsolete in a way. So that I just wanted to throw that in. Mm. Yeah. That is great. And I, it is something that I need to work on because I do have perhaps a bit more of the linear hierarchy in my mind. And I find the jumping in at any point in the river can be confusing for me to know how I can support a person to get everything that they need to be able to enjoy and and it's a different question and I think it's a one that's really worthy of asking yeah what a great idea the circular academy (laughs) come come in where you're at you know and and (laughs) there is divine timing in that and of course you'll get exactly what you need and Mm -hmm. I think that's so critical what other gems or learnings have you had with putting together and delivering online courses that you'd like to share Jen before we finish up I think in closing, I just like to say, you know, to follow your heart, uh, what is juicy for you will be juicy for others. One thing I've always discovered is when I get on my little high pedestal and think, well, people really need to hear this. It always comes back. Well, what do you need to hear? Mm -hmm. What is it that you really need to learn now? Because I realize that every single course that I've ever taught, including the ones I'm teaching now are really for me. They're really for myself. And to me, that keeps me in the right alignment. In the student mode. I love that. And the other thought that I've got is once it's done and 80% done is better than perfect and not done, that's great to know. But the other thing is you can go back and revisit. You can go back Mm -hmm. If you want to in a year's time or a couple of years' time, you can give a refresh to your online course if you've got the juice for it. Not as a, you know, a burdensome task, but if it comes back and you think, oh, yeah, I've got this extra lovely, yummy stuff I want to share around that topic, then you can always refresh your course. It's a a living, breathing thing that's an extension of you and your creative practice. And so, therefore, you can paint over that e-course just like you can paint over a canvas. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You can re-record that song. and You can change the bridge. (laughs) That's right. That's it. So I feel that there's giving yourself permission to get in, just get yourself set up with a little bit of stuff that's going to make it really a good experience. And you know, I, I'm just astounded, like I invested in a MacBook so I could do editing myself of all my videos. I use iMovie. I find iMovie so much 
better than you know the equivalents on the PC, although I have some of those as well. But I do find that it's really possible to do a lot of editing, even on my iPhone these days. I've got some mm-hmm. apps that I use and they are really, you know, they're super powerful in terms of what I can do on that. Video Studio is the app that I use on my iPhone. I just want to give that a shout out because people are looking for a good app. That was a recommendation from a creative friend of mine. He used that. But even before, even if you don't want to do video, you can do a slide presentation depending on the content that you're sharing. If you're doing creativity, there may be demonstrations, in which case you're going to end up doing video. But if what you're sharing is the history of art in a particular era or the history of a particular artist, you can absolutely do that with a slideshow on something like Camtasia or OBS. There's Mac equivalents. You can just do a slideshow and you don't even have to be on camera. So it's kind of like instant tele-seminar version, but with video. You just add slides in and you've got something. You can do something like that on Zoom as well. So depending on the nature of your content, you can actually have free, modest technology and be able to be putting out really valuable knowledge that you've got. So I guess there's a, it's important to stop and think about what is the content you want to share? What are you passionate about sharing? And how would it be best to communicate that and express that with someone who's trying to learn? And I love my YouTube channel with my teaching, which is more not so much teaching. I shouldn't say teaching there. It's actually just sharing. Hey, this is what I've been doing. I've been burying paper in the paddock. I've been (laughs) out making art books from a single page, you know, so I've got the YouTube practice has actually improved my filming and my capture of what I want to do for my online courses. So if you're thinking about it and it's got video content, maybe go out and start getting a bit of a regular YouTube practice as part of your creative practice if you're not doing it already. Mm -hmm. Great idea. So I love the nugget that you shared, Jen. Thank you. And I feel that this is such an exciting area. I feel like I'm going to stay in e-courses and online courses till I drop it's going to be one of those things that (laughs) it just makes it such a joy you know I can learn from someone in the UK and someone in South America and I can teach someone in the UK and someone in South America how amazing Mm -hmm. is that that's just so beautiful we're so the world is becoming a much smaller place and the only thing I want to I want to change the frames of zoom so we could change them maybe to some circles and some ovals or maybe some octagonal shapes you know I mean we could make some choices of how we we come across because we're definitely not square (laughs) (laughs) ah beautiful well thank you for joining me in this conversation Jen absolutely if you would like to add meditation into your weekly practice into your daily practice I highly recommend Jennifer's morning light meditations they are beautiful snippets that will change your day thank you So everyone have a fantastic week. Sending you lots of love. Sending you love, Jen. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Michelle here. Just wanted to jump back on and give you a bit of my thinking around some of the information for your learning platforms, because that really does make a big deal of difference. As we mentioned, there are different options and Jennifer and I explained how easy it is to just do a simple page password protected on your website, but there are more sophisticated options and I would definitely go for those these days. So the first question is, do you want an online hosting platform 
or do you want to have a WordPress plugin? So in other words, do you want a separate platform that hosts your course or do you want to have it on your website? If you have a WordPress website, it's easy to get plugins. So that's the choice between going with something like Thinkific or Kajabi, or if you're going to go for WordPress plugin, you might go for something like Talent LMS. So here's my exploration because I've recently just selected an online platform that is a hosting platform. And this was some of my thinking that I went through. So I looked at a couple on offer, which are given really good wraps in the reviews. Thinkific is the first one that I looked at in detail, and it has a free tier. So you can jump on and not pay anything. And then once you want some more functionality, you can increase what you're spending. And the great thing is you can customize the website so it matches your branding. There were some drawbacks for me, and one of them was didn't have social media connection, and there's no smartphone app. I looked at Kajabi, it was really because a number of the teachers that I've been learning from use Kajabi and it's considered to be one of the best all-in-one online course platforms. But the thing that stopped me in my tracks was its expense. It starts at about 199 per month US and goes up to about 399 and that was just out of my range. I'm just not doing the turnover to really warrant that. Another one that I looked at in detail was Teachable. Again, because some of my teachers use Teachable and it has a free tier. It's really good with things like affiliate payouts. It's easy to set up, easy to use. And one of the drawbacks though was there was payment processing options was considered to be quite limited and it also charges transaction fees. So I kept looking. I looked at Kartra, which has amazing landing page templates and email marketing tools. And it's quite affordable. It starts at about $99 a month and goes up to $500 a month. But it did seem to lack some of the important learning tools I wanted to use and had limits on the number of courses and videos that I could upload at the starter level of $99 per month. So I ended up going with SamCart. And this is the one I'm currently building my course on as we speak, which is my artist seven day money challenge that I'm going to be releasing in early June. And the thing I liked about it was it had really great landing page templates and, and a good range of checkout page setups, integration with my email marketing system. And it was very affordable and has seamless integration between the checkout and people being able to access the e-course immediately. So I've gone for that, which I've found to be quite affordable and I'm paying it per year. So I get myself a lot of discount that way. And their online support, their customer support is outstanding. And the last thing I wanted to say was, if you don't really want to do the sort of entrepreneurial online teaching and are more interested in the more educational side, there are a ton of other systems and platforms and software that you can use. And I went back and looked at the original software that I used for my Essentials of Visual Thinking course seven or eight years ago, and that was Moodle. That was the platform that the, and Talent LMS, which is the other one. And I think both of those are worthy of having a look at if you're really interested in more educational style teaching rather than the entrepreneurial courses that I see artists including in their art business. So I hope that's helpful. If you've got any questions, please shoot me through an email, michelle at michellewalker.com.au 
or just have a look around the web because the land of the interwebs has an amazing amount of information. The problem I find is it can be too much. Bye for now.